CJT Chat, presented by the Journal of Athletic Training, the official journal of the National Athletic Trainers Association. I'm Dr. Shelby Baez, an assistant professor in the Department of Kinesiology at Michigan State University, and I'll temporarily be taking over hosting duties for Dr. Kara Radzak on JAT Chat for the next few episodes. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Stephanie Singe and Ms. Kelsey Rimkovich. Dr. Singe is an associate professor in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Connecticut, and Ms. Rimkovich is a PhD candidate in the Department of Kinesiology at the University of Connecticut. They are the authors of Athletic Trainers' Use of Support Systems for Balancing Roles as an Athletic Trainer and Parent from an upcoming issue of the Journal of Athletic Training. Stephanie and Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. So starting off, you mentioned that athletic training literature is robust regarding different strategies to help to create work-life balance. Can you all just briefly discuss what we know about work-life balance in athletic training? Yeah, I could start with, you know, work-life balance in athletic training has been something that's been a hot topic and for many reasons, just because of all the things athletic trainers are doing in their professional life, but their personal life as well. You know, when we talk about our settings in the typical sport organization of the secondary school setting, maybe professional sports and the collegiate setting, there's a lot of long hours, there's weekend travel, there's late nights, sometimes working holidays, and that can be really challenging for having that work-life balance and being able to manage all those different roles. So just a ton of different types of uh, roles that we may be experiencing Mm -hmm. as uh, athletic trainers. So one of the roles that you all identified uh, from a personal standpoint is uh, being a parent. So what led you all to explore just social support systems and athletic trainers with children? I'll take this one. So um, first of all, I think that we started to kind of find in our early work with, you know, work-life balance stuff that what was what was helping athletic trainers succeed in their role was support. And so um, we st- although we don't really typically find differences in work-family conflict among females, males, married, married, you know, with children, we do know that that parental role um, does require time and energy. And as a mom of three boys, I can attest to that, you know, it's more challenging um, and time is critical. And we know athletic trainers role in sport is time demanding. And as a parent, it is too. And there's some earlier work um, by others that I've identified that parenting just adds challenges, right? So um, I think we recognize the need to kind of better understand um, how parents um, um, are supported in their athletic training roles, kind of from the home perspective. So that was really kind of the catalyst um, to why we did this. And we had a lot of qualitative information, um, but not really specifically diving into parents and their experiences with finding work-life balance. Kelsey, do you, do you have anything else to, to add as to the expo- exploration of the social support systems and athletic trainers and children? Yeah, just to bounce off Dr. Singe, I mean, being a parent's a big responsibility. I am not a parent, but know many people who are parents and have worked with a lot of athletic trainers who are, and they have different roles that they need to fulfill and fit in. And when their kids are younger, there's a lot of different things that come along with that as far as dropping off at daycare and school and picking up and Kids get sick a lot going to doctor's appointments. So, you know, for us, it really was important to see what are parents needing in those terms of support when they are athletic trainers and how are they able to balance those two roles and kind of make it work with that support that they're receiving. So as, as part of the your article, you all completed semi-structured interviews with 32 athletic trainers, which is awesome just to see that the ro- 
robustness of how many athletic trainers were you were able to interview. Uh, did from your results, did athletic trainers who were parents find value in these different types of social support networks that they utilize? Yeah, I can start with that. And they definitely did. I mean, they saw a lot of they found a lot of support in the workplace and at home. So when they were in the workplace, it was their coworkers, it was their supervisors. You know, a lot of them mentioned that when they had coworkers or supervisors who also had children, they kind of understood it and just got it more. So their supervisors or their coworkers provided that support for them because they had gone through it. So they kind of knew what was needed or knew what would help. Um, you know, it was things like filling in and saying, hey, you have a sick kid. I can come into work for you today or don't worry about it. You have to drop them off at daycare. It's fine if you come 30 minutes late. Um, situations like that. And, you know, outside of the workplace, it was all that support from at home, whether it was a spouse, whether it was family members or whether it was friends who were helping kind of take care of the children, um, helping with those different pickups, drop-offs, watching them when they were at work, um, maybe bringing them to work to one of their games or practices just so they could get see them while the athletic trainer was working. So those support networks were really huge for them. And that was something they talked about a lot, kind of the, um, the kind of saying of takes a village uh, was something that came up a few times where all those people were helping in those different manners of support so that they could be a parent as they want to be and be an athletic trainer and still do those equally as well for themselves. I'm going to just tell, you know, jump in on that. So like the idea of the misery loves company, I don't, I don't mean that in a negative connotation, right? So what I mean is that sometimes when I am struggling and I just want to talk it out, if I can talk it out with someone that has a similar lifestyle or similar life experience, they can like validate me in a sense where they can say, yeah, I know it's really hard, that empathy piece, um, and then maybe offer some of their suggestions. And that really helps you feel understood, you know, um, I think that sometimes, even though if you don't, you know, people can appreciate if they're not a parent, like how hard it is, but until you're living it. And I can say that I had no idea before I became a parent, how hard um, it really can be. And then my example is last week, we had a snowstorm in Connecticut and um, the baby was home from daycare. There's no school. And I had to do my eight hour work day with a 17 month running around, joining my meetings, doing my research, doing my advising. And that was just how the day went. And so um, when my husband got home from his day of work, I was like, I'm tired. Here you go. And it was just like, he didn't give me a hard time. And like, he was like, I'm sure I can't imagine. I wouldn't be able to do that. He's a firefighter EMT. So he definitely couldn't have brought the baby to work with him. So just having that understanding, you know, at home that my day was hard and, and stuff like that is definitely important. So that's kind of that, why this, we looked at parents, right? Because parents understand parents and it was important to kind of get that perspective. Yeah. And I think that's something that our participants really shared a lot too, of just being able to vent and talking Mm -hmm. to someone like I had a really bad day or I'm struggling right now. And that was a source of support for them of just being able to talk it out and have someone who either understood or was just willing to listen to them. Like they had a bad day and they just wanted to talk about it. Maybe they didn't even need advice that day, but they just needed to talk to someone about what had happened and receive support in that way. Yeah. I've, um, so I've said this, quite a bit with like when working with like patients and clients, sometimes people just want to be heard. And it sounds like these social support networks allow people to, to be heard. Um, so diving in a little deeper, it sounds like there's two different groups. So maybe a professional group of network and maybe these personal groups of networks. Um, are, are there some differences observed in the types of social supports between the different networks? And if so, can you elaborate on that a little bit? 
Yeah, I think so. In the workplace, it, it's more about the organizational infrastructure. And like we know that there's a lot of things you can't change about your job. So the workplace support was kind of like job sharing. It was, you know, kind of just having this opportunity to bounce ideas off of each other to kind of create a collaborative work environment. Um, and it was much more structural, right? And so, but in the personal space, it, there was two things. It was importance of having friends or support that understood athletic training. And then those non-AT friends that also provided kind of this emotional support, right? So um, the personal side of the support networks was really about this emotional, psychological investment and kind of just being there. And the whole important part of what how we rejuvenate is time away um, from athletic training. So although the friendships that were built on athletic training that shared experiences, but it was still talking about work, right? So then having friends or family that don't understand athletic training allowed the true disengagement and to feel supported kind of in these other life roles. Um, and that's really important part of that. So. And I think from the personal side too, there was a lot of that tangible support as well, where people were babysitting or helping maybe with household chores and duties, like the spouse's, when the athletic trainer was working a lot, the spouse was helping of pick up some of those tasks at home, cleaning, laundry, maybe getting groceries or taking care of the kids. So there was also that big aspect of the tangible support at home as well of those things that other people were able to do for the athletic trainer that helped them balance their stuff at home, but then also do their job and go to work and be able to not worry about those things at home as well. So I, I heard a couple different types. So I heard like tangible support and emotional support. Um, potentially for some of our listeners who maybe haven't heard those terms before, would you all just provide a little context as to what emotional support would mean or tangible support, et cetera? Yeah, so tangible support is kind of like what Kelsey just mentioned. So um, how like so, it's even like outsourcing, right? Someone who's going to clean your house or someone that supports. So the tangible things are things that, aren't really always definable, but need to get done. And they kind of help you kind of survive your everyday thing. Um, emotional support is really about kindness, compassion, nurturing, and it's kind of just that piece. Um, self-care kind of goes into this, although that didn't really come out of it. But the idea is like, you know, the emotional self-care, right? You're, you're connecting with your needs and you're kind of being aware of it and recognizing that sometimes life is hard. That's the self-empathy side of things. So that emotional support is kind of just being aware. You're allowed to feel, you're allowed to vent. Um, and then the tangible things are kind of more like task-orientated support. And then we had a little bit of the network support too, which is really coming from athletic trainers when they're with other athletic trainers and other people who are in that professional network that kind of understand it and get it. Um, so that was kind of one of the others as well, in addition to that tangible and emotional. Thank you. Well, thank you for providing that, uh, those examples for us and our, our, our listeners. Um, so at the individual level, when as an athletic trainer, and I'm working with an athletic trainer who has children, what can I do potentially on the day-to-day -to, -day to help to provide some of these different types of support? Or what would you recommend for an athletic trainer to do to, to be a, an effective member of that social support network? Yeah, I think I've been able to have a lot of experience with that because both of my bosses um, have children. And I think for me, one of the things that I think they appreciate and has been helpful for them is just being flexible. So if they have an appointment that comes up or they have something else that's going on that they're like, hey, I need to get out of here a little bit earlier. Can you stay a little bit later? You can come in or switch days with me. So I think a lot of it really comes down to that flexibility and being able to work with that person and 
kind of listening to them of what do they need? Maybe they need a day off. Maybe they just need to go spend time with their kids one day. Maybe they just need to take time for themselves or just go get groceries and leave half an hour before um, they're supposed supposed to. So I think really it comes down to that being willing to work, being supportive in whatever way is beneficial for them and kind of finding out what it is that they do need. Because for everybody, support is going to look differently. And for each person, they might want something a little bit different. So it really is that individualistic nature of what does that person want and how can you help them get there? And I think being flexible as a coworker is what really helps with that. And then to follow up on that, I think the key piece to that is like, right. So Kelsey's example is that she was giving, right. And, and she was being flexible and adaptable. And so it's the person who's taking um, also has to recognize that. So it comes full circle, right. And so someone who's not married and doesn't have children doesn't mean that they don't have other life roles and, and want to have time. So it's kind of that full circle adaptability and flexibility and recognizing, thank you for today. I'll get you another time. Um, and kind of trying to make it work that way. So it's not always the person who has children that's getting the receiving end of the flexibility. Yeah, that's, a, that's great that you brought that up too, because that's exactly what I've experienced as well. There's those times where I have helped that being adaptable and just going back on my personal example, but there's days when I had something that came up. I recently had a job interview that came up out of nowhere and my bosses were like, hey, don't worry about it. Like, do what you need to do. You don't need to come in today or you can come in and just hang out, but don't worry about doing X, Y, and Z. Like, you help us out, we'll help you out. So getting this like teamwork, we're a team. And sometimes you have, can you take a little bit of load so I can uh, manage some of these other roles and vice versa? Um, So remember that. We went, we went into athletic training because we liked the concept of collaboration. And if you look back, what were, what kind of attracted most athletic trainers to athletic training was sport, teamwork. So it's still the same concept. We're still working together. We're still collaborative. And I think one key piece of that is this concept of letting go. Um, we talked a little bit of this at our EATA presentation, Dr. Easton and I. And the idea is like, right, we as athletic trainers love our job and we love to be the person that provides the care because we have this relationship with our, our, you know, our patients, but some of us who are parents who have children, like I've had three children and all three times, the person that delivered my child was not the same person I saw regularly in my prenatal appointments, but I still got amazing care. So I think it's sometimes important for us as parents, like we want to be good at being a mom or dad, and we want to be really good at being an athletic trainer, and we kind of have to let go, and there's a give and take, and we have to be okay that we can't do everything, and so we can be good at both roles and not be present in both roles at all time, and if we're, if dad's taking care of the kids, I'm going to Ireland next week, and I'm I have to let go that my husband can do a good job caring for the kids while I'm at work. Um, and the same thing, like when I'm at work, you know, my kids are taking care of her, they're in school. So it's, it's a fine line balance, but I think we have to kind of remember that. Yeah, I think that's it's such an important point. And I think um, I know as an athletic trainer, like we want to, to be there for our teams and we want to be there for our athletes and our patients but sometimes we have to take a step back and remember or think about ourselves as a whole person and how can I do this as a um, from a whole person level. Um, so I, I asked about like the individual level. Um, now, my, my next question and thought and some of what you alluded to in the paper is how can the profession assist and support athletic trainers um, to uh, who are parents to potentially reduce the turnover and improve retention in athletic training? I mean, I think first and foremost is, you know, having this recognition of what we do as athletic trainers and having that support from not just the athletic training profession, but from kind of the healthcare world as a whole. 
And it's recognizing what athletic trainers are doing that they're not just an athletic trainer, but they're a friend, they're a family member, they are a parent. And I think from a professional standpoint, it's highlighting those different resources that are out there for athletic trainers who are parents and really kind of focusing on the individual workplaces and making sure that support that support is in place. So athletic trainers, you know, they have a big enough staff size where they're not being overworked. They are able to have these shared responsibilities, have that teamwork that's going on. And they're really working for organizations where there is that organizational support, because really a lot of this is going to start from the top too. So I think from a professional standpoint, it's just trying to advocate for that and advocate for athletic trainers' health and really their their overall well-being so that they can do their jobs and care for their patients. Kind of the whole saying of you can't pour from the empty cup, you know, athletic trainers have to take care of themselves first before they're able to take care of their patients and put that forward. I think the one thing we need to do better maybe as a profession is um, train our leaders. Um, so I had this really awesome opportunity where um, a couple summers ago, I went through this leadership academy. And the thing that I took away the most from this experience was listening, right? So, um, and being a good listener and making sure I ask the right questions. And so, you know, leadership is really critical as we kind of find work-life balance, especially as we have more challenging roles in our adult life. And so if our leaders, the people that we look up to who mentor us and kind of advocate for us, have a better job of listening and asking the right questions um, in terms of what our needs are, um, and advocating for ourselves sometimes when we aren't advocating for our own selves in, in terms of work-life balance and feeding our soul. Um, I think that that's what's really important to move us forward is that we need to train leaders to help us advocate. So this top-down approach, and if the leaders, if we can get the leaders to advocate, uh, hopefully we can start to see some of those changes and, and work-life balance concerns that we see in athletic training. Yeah, we find that the most successful in terms of retention, work-life balance, we find that it starts with the leader when they informally have policies that help support parents and non-parents, but, you know, parents in this case, in terms of rejuvenation and disengagement and making things work and being creative within the, the need of being present or the, the odd hours or the long working hours. Like we just, yeah, it really needs to start with the, the supervisor and, and creating a supportive um, family-friendly environment. Um, and so um, I do think that we, we could do better in terms of training our leaders. I think what's important to keep in mind with that, too, is it's not something that's going to happen or change overnight, but it's going to require that kind of constant effort to get to that point that we want to be at. And it's not something that, oh, hey, this isn't working. Well, let's give up now. No, like keep pushing forward to get to what we're trying to achieve. And I, I think those are just fantastic points uh, and things for us to consider moving forward as we're, we're uh, thinking about improving and continuing to improve the profession. Um, so for our, our listeners, can you all potentially provide a take-home point about your paper? What's if what's the one thing you would want the listener, our listeners to, to know about your paper? I think really it's, you know, coming from it to kind of take a tangible take-home point is establish that support network for yourself. Make sure that you're advocating for yourself. You're asking for what you need when you need it and asking for help and not being afraid to ask for help because those support networks are huge, both personally and professionally. And I really think that is what can keep someone in the right mindset and be able to achieve that work-life balance and do in their roles what they want to do. But if you don't ask for that help, you're not going to get it. So really that advocation piece is huge. And remembering to just ask, establish that support and have those people in your corner that you need there. 
I think the greatest take home message is that. And I think if you even take out parent in the title, right, this is for every athletic trainer, it's okay to ask for help. Um, and it's really um, important to have support at home in the workplace. Um, and so that's really the takeaway message. I mean, I know that someone may be reading that this who's not a parent and like, well, how can I benefit from that? And the true statement is we um, don't need to do it alone and we shouldn't do it alone. And asking for help is the best way to do that. Yeah, because just because you're not a parent too, doesn't mean you have, don't have other responsibilities. You may have pets. I have a dog. <laughs> I don't have children, but I have a dog and who I have to ask people for help with the dog. So I think as Dr. Sin just said, it's, it's for anybody, not just parents, but I think anyone can really benefit from kind of the take-home points of this paper. Well, thank you both so much for those uh, wise words and take-home points about this paper. And thank you both so much for joining me today. Uh, are there, is there anything else that you would like our, le- our listeners to know before we wrap up for today? I say one thing, remember to feed your soul. And what I mean by that, and this is the, 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 the basically the kind message through the idea of work-life balance is if you can feed your soul through professional networks, support networks, um, achieving your personal professional goals, you're going to be a better athletic trainer and you're going to be better at whatever life role you do. So my, my take-home message is remind yourself every day of something that's for you because you'll be better for everyone else that you are working with or um, caring for. Yeah, I think taking care of yourself and making sure that you're taking care of yourself first and foremost, and always having that in the back of your mind and not letting yourself kind of run into the ground and ask for help, do the things that you enjoy to keep yourself and your mind kind of in a good place. Well, I I love both of those uh, words of wisdom. So thank you both so much for, for sharing that. And thank you both again for for joining me today. And as a reminder to our listeners, this article is available free of charge by the Journal of Athletic Training. And I highly recommend everyone go and download this current manuscript when it comes out in the upcoming issue. So again, thank you both so much. And we will see you next time. 